Hello, check. One, two, three. Um, how's everyone doing today? Good. Good. Wow, that was a great response. I was totally not expecting that. Um, I'm glad you're doing well. Um, I, I'm excited, thrilled, pumped, stoked might be appropriate with how I'm feeling right now. Um, this is a real honor and privilege to get to stand before you and uh, share what God has put in my heart. I, I hope it blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope that at the end of it, you can say, yeah, that kind of makes sense. I can, I can take that home and, and apply it. I can take that home, and, and that can work in my family. That can work in my job. That can work um, wherever I am. But um, it, it is an honor and privilege to get to, to stand. You guys are family. Um, you guys have known me for the better part. I mean, I've been a member of Hillside for 10 to 12 years, give or take college. I remember when the church was in my parents' living room and Saturday nights, it didn't matter what we were watching on TV at a certain time of the night, we were movers. And uh, we would set up couches and chairs and, and have church in, in our house. And just to see over the last 10 years, God has been faithful uh, to have this building. And I'm, people come to Christ. I mean, people's lives being transformed from a night and day. I mean, there's a lot of things that we could, we could probably sit, and, sit here and each one of us could just talk about the things God has done uh, in our lives over, over the period, uh, even in, in Hillside. Um, so hopefully the, the jitters and kind of nervousness uh, gets out of me, and I kind of speak to you like I, I, I talk to my family, and, and hopefully honest communication is always good, so hopefully it's honest and, and right. Um, for those of you who are new, uh, this is your first time. My name is Ben. I'm the youth pastor here at Hillside. Uh, the senior pastors are away uh, celebrating their 30th year of marriage. 30, whoa, I know. My goodness. Um, so we're excited to get a, a chance to get away, get refreshed, relax. Um, if you guys have spent any amount of time around Bruce and Dory, you will quickly learn uh, that their heart and passion is for us. Um, okay, um, yeah, so it, their passion is for us to see us grow, um, to see us experience more of God. I'm sure even as they're away, um, they're praying and thinking about us. And that is, wow, I did not know I'm getting emotional. Um, <laughs> um, so that is a very cool thing to have pastors that care that much about. Of, and just a way of honoring um, them. If you have ever been encouraged by Bruce and Dory, if they have ever uh, spoken into your life, if they maybe count, counseled you during a time, thank goodness, sorry. Um, if, if they have uh, maybe visited you at a hospital, maybe talked to you when you're at a crossroads in your life, would you mind raising your hand? Because you just look around. Um, that's, that's awesome that we have... Um, pastors that care that much about us. So I'm sure even as they're um, away, we're glad, sorry, that they're thinking about us and we're glad that they get a chance to get relaxed and refreshed and come back and serve. And if you know my dad, you know it's hard for him to not work. And so this is, this is beneficial for everyone here. Uh, uh, today I want to talk about our relationship with God. And you're probably thinking, Ben, you have one opportunity, one shot to speak, and here you are talking about something we talk about every week. I mean, doesn't every message boil down to what is our relationship with God? Um, to that, I would say, well played. And yeah, you're right. Um, I want to talk more specifically about what is God's role in your life? Um, what is God's role in your day-to-day? -day? Uh, when you walk outside these doors, what role does God have in your life in shaping and molding and um, transforming your life? Does he have any role at all? And I want to talk more specifically about uh, the kingship and lordship of Christ. Um, is God a king in your life? Is God a, a shepherd in your life? Does God have uh, authority to speak in and change us? Or, uh, so that's what I want to talk about today. 
Uh, amen. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, this message is kind of a burst of the, burst burst out of a place of um, being in the church my whole life. Uh, I think my my mom missed like a week giving birth to me. Then ever since then, I was in nursery or whatever kids' church and being in the church. So I feel like I've heard a lot of messages. I've sung a lot of worship songs, and um, I think out of that place, I, uh, there's there's this desperate need to have the practical things of God um, worked out. Uh, in our life. And what I mean by that is that we can sing these epic worship songs about surrender, about God is all I want, about uh, we would dance a thousand miles, and then we can go home on Monday and uh, find that there's some disconnect between what we hear about and what we sing and, and how we live our life. And so that, that's where this place, um, that's where it comes out of. Um, it's been um, this message has kind of been in my heart for the past year and a half. I probably shouldn't tell you that because you're thinking if it stinks, then year and a half, you probably should spend another year and a half. <laughs> um, but regardless, I'm going to try to give my best shot. And uh, the idea is how we respond to God's authority in our life and looking at the Old Testament, looking how, at, at Israel and how they responded to God's kingship, God's authority in their life, uh, looking at the New Testament, see how the people of God responded to uh, Jesus and his authority in their life, his kingship, and then looking at the church um, today and responding to God's, um, our response to God's kingship and lordship of the Holy Spirit's um, kingship and lordship in our life. And so really looking at all parts of the Trinity, didn't know you're getting a little theology today, um, and seeing how we responded to him. I'm going to pray and um, we'll, we'll get into it. Uh, God, I just pray that you would be here today. Thank you um, just for everything uh, that you've done in our lives, God. Thank you that your presence is here. Uh, I just pray that you would change us, God. Change our hearts. Transform us, God. Um, take your place of authority in our lives, God. And I just pray that we'd be responsive to that. Uh, in your name, amen. Okay, so the message title, for those of you who like to uh, take notes. Oh, it's in your bulletin, so I guess you have it there. Um, People of His Pasture. Um, for you unchurched folk, this is your first time, you're like, what's a pastor? Why are we talking about it in church? <laughs> what's going on? Um, what's a better message title would be, what's God got to do with it? I'm not going to sing the song, but um, it's going to be about God's authority. <laughs> I know, right? Um, uh, can I make one shameless plug before I go on? Um, if you're a junior high and high school student and you have a pulse, please come Tuesday night. Jack Willis is going to be off the hook. Jack Willis is going to, if you have heard him before, you want to hear him again. If you haven't heard him before, um, he's a bucket list kind of guy. You have to hear him before your time on this earth is, is past. Um, so come Tuesday night, 7 o'clock. It's going to be fantastic. Okay, so if you would turn to your Bibles, um, Psalms 95, 6, and 7 is where we get the message title. Psalms 95, 6, and 7. And the verse goes like this. Well, you guys are still flipping it. I feel rude just starting now. Psalms 95, 6, and 7. It says, Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are his people of his pasture. If you like to underline your Bible, I'd underline his. Um, the flock under his care. I'd underline that other his, because it's pretty nice. Um, and so today I want to talk about if, if he is, if we are the people of his pasture, pasture, if we are um, the church, the people called by God, then that means he has authority in our life. That he has the authority, authority, authority to um, speak into our life, to direct us. Um, and if he's the shepherd, I, I would 
venture to say that I'm the sheep. I mean, the Bible talks a lot about us being sheep and that God is our shepherd. And so am I responding to the shepherding of God? And what I've realized that a lot of time in my life, I am a, I'm like a sheep or am I like a person who's looking for a pasture um, without a pastor or I'm looking for a pasture um, without a shepherd where I am wanting to have a, a place where I can kind of just spread my, uh, sheep don't have wings, um, spread my kind of uh, limbs, whatever you want to call them, um, and, and, and basically not be told what to do. Um, I, ho- I hope I'm just speaking to myself, but uh, I might be speaking to a few in this room. Um, and so I, I, when he says we're a people of his pasture, a flock under his care, are we a kind of sheep that's wanting to be isolated from the shepherd? And uh, I'm going to, full confession here, or maybe partial confession. Um, it is really easy for me to accept Jesus Christ as a savior in my life. Um, I'm very comfortable with accepting Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for my sins, that um, that he took away shame, guilt, judgment. I'm very okay with his grace and mercy in my life. Um, what has been difficult to accept is that God also wants to be Lord. Uh, so um, what I found is that whenever you highlight or emphasize, uh, lift up one maybe attribute of God, one characteristic of God, his love, his mercy, his, gr- his grace, while you kind of ignore or uh, lessen his righteousness, his purity, his justice, his holiness, um, we end up worshiping a God that is fashioned in our own preferences and our palate um, rather than worshiping who God is. And so we kind of cherry pick God where we're like, I want that, I don't want that, hold the pickles, hold the lettuce. Um, special orders do not upset us. Um, we, we kind of make God into this image of what is comfortable for us. It is really comfortable to deal with God's grace, love, and forgiveness. I am glad that that is the way I've entered into the kingdom of God. Um, I do not mean to minimize or take away from the gospel by any means. I'm saved by Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. That is, that is, why, um, that is why I'm in the kingdom of God. And so, um, but for me then to forsake his lordship after that point, um, I can't do that. I have to accept all of who God is. And so there's a, there's a book, and it's called The Scandal of the Evangelical Conscience. Um, why are Christians living just like the world? And um, in it, he talks about this concept that I had been thinking about, and it just confirmed it, which was pretty cool. It's like, oh, yeah, it's exactly, yes, amen. Um, and he talks about that Jesus Christ is referred to as Savior 16 times in the New Testament, 16 times. He's referred to Lord in that same portion of Scripture 420 times. And so I feel like the Scripture is trying to try to put emphasis on this point where we need to see Jesus Christ as having authority and having a place in our life, not as just someone who forgives our sins, not just someone you can just go to, like, hey, pay my bills, forgive my sins, and I I do what I want. I go back to my pasture where I can kind of, you know, greasy grace, whatever you want to call it, and do my thing. And so we need to accept Jesus Christ. The Bible messages at 420 to 16, uh, man, I want to listen. I want to say, okay, I need God being Lord in my life. Um. So, yeah, unfortunately, a lot of my Christian life, I um, maybe haven't experienced the growth that I've necessarily wanted to because I have been um, accepting Jesus merely as a Savior and not as a Lord. Luckily, we're not alone. If we look at the Old Testament, we'll see that Israel, uh, the people of God, were very much like us, <laughs> or very much like, like myself. Um, in that we see, if you want to turn your Bibles, 1 Samuel 8. 1 Samuel 8. 
Samuel is about to die, which is always not a good place to start, but um, he is about to die, and he is, his sons aren't walking in his ways, so they're not really doing a good job leading Israel, and so Israel kind of calls a council, and um, they tell Samuel, make for us a king. Make for us a king. And up until this point, Israel as a, as a people, um, as a chosen people of God, as literally the church of the day, um, had been, God had been faithful up to this point to rescue them out of the, rescue them out of the bondage of, of Egypt, uh, rescue, deliver them from oppression, um, rescue them from a, a bondage that they were powerless um, to get out of themselves. It sounds familiar. It sounds like grace. Um, and he'd been faithful to lead them through the wilderness and with his presence. What is it? The cloud by day, fire by night, right? Okay, check. Okay, thank you for fact-checking me. Um, and, and he'd been faithful to fight their battles, to go before them. He'd been faithful to be um, really um, a god that I would long to be king in my life. And if he was a politician, I'd reelect him. Um, and yet, here they are, I guess in print, rejecting God's authority in their life. Because they were called to be a peculiar people. They were called to be a people uh, set apart, consecrated, um, by God, and here they are rejecting God's unique kind of authority in their life. And so, First Samuel 8, so let me turn to that. And we're going to pick up in verse, verse 7, as is after Samuel said, he said, listen to the, what the people are saying to you. It is not you that they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king as they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt. Until this day I forsook, forsook me in serving other gods, so they are doing to you. And I just want to point out that they're making it official by saying, hey, God, we don't want you as king. But they had been rejecting God's authority in their life before that, long before that. And so um, in our life, when, uh, when we, we don't have to necessarily tell God, dear God, forgive my sins. I'm not going to follow you, though. Okay, like we don't have to say that. We can just kind of live our life. Um, in opposition to the will of God, the, the word of God, people's accountability in our life. And here we have Israel rejecting God as their king. And the reason was because they wanted to be like all the other nations. And we could probably spend a half an hour to an hour just talking about what happens in our life when we want to be like everyone else. And going back to that calling of being set apart, consecrated um, to God, when we long to be like everyone else, there's a problem. We don't fulfill our, our identity um, as a people of God, um, we, we can't be light, we can't be salt. I mean, we can't be all these differences when we're the same. So um, they had been rejecting God as king, and he had been faithful at that point. So that's them rejecting God, part of the Trinity, God the Father as king. So let's flash forward to the New Testament. There's no verse in particular that I'm going to point to. Um, but if you read any of the Gospels, I'd recommend reading all of them more than once over your life. <laughs> um, Jesus is accepted for a period. Jesus may be accepted for his miracles. Jesus is accepted for, you know, um, providing a, a good food or a lot of food for people. But um, at a certain point, the religious, the church of the day, I guess, the Pharisees, Sadducees, rejected his authority in their life. And, and, we, and so when he started talking about um, picking up your cross and following me, when he started talking about loving your enemies, he started talking about, you know, you have to eat of my flesh. They're like, no, no, thank you. Peace out. Jesus didn't fit in the box of their religion, and so they rejected him. 
Jesus didn't come and um, rescue them for their political oppression. Jesus didn't come as, the, as what they thought he would come like. He wasn't the second Moses in that sense politically. And yet Jesus came to rescue from the oppression of sin, and yet they were so focused and pigeonholed into their nationalistic ideas that they missed the very God in flesh, God um, incarnate. And so they rejected Jesus. We, know, we all know the end of the Gospels. He's crucified or ha- you know, handed over by um, the religious to, to be crucified. And so they reject Jesus' authority in their life. Before we go to the, uh, just then, so that's them rejecting Jesus Christ. So we got God, Jesus Christ, and now we go to the Holy Spirit. It says, Jesus, it's better that I go because you're going to have the Holy Spirit and you're going to do greater things. You know, that's where we get our power from. That's how, that's what changes us, transforms us. You know, uh, that's where we get our power. And so the Holy Spirit uh, is given to the church today and it's a gift. Um, but before we go to the church today, it, it's really easy to look at the Old Testament and be like, if I was back then, I would totally would have trusted God. I would have so been a better Christian or a better Israelite. <laughs> and I would have totally done what God did. You know, if, if he led me into the wilderness, I would just follow him. And I'd just be like, I'll thank you for the manna. And, you know, I would totally just be okay. And I wouldn't rebel and I wouldn't, you know, fashion a gold calf or whatever you want to call it. Um, I would I'd be faithful to God. And so we kind of have our nose stuck up in the air and be like, I'm so much better than them. I would never reject God's authority in my life. And we can say, oh, look at the Gospels, man. If Jesus was on the scene, I totally would have been with him. I would have been the 13th disciple. I would have just been there. And, and yeah, I wouldn't have doubted him. I wouldn't have crucified him. I wouldn't have denied him. And then we can look at, here's this Holy Spirit that God has given us as a gift. And our response... Our response to his leading and guiding in our life is to reject it. And in, in essence, today, when you look at our lifestyle as Christians, when you look at our conduct, our behavior, um, the way we do life, there's not much of a difference between the outside world and us. There's this book, and it's called Unchristian. How fitting. Uh, it is a, a book that goes into great detail about what the outside world um, thinks about us, and of course, you, they think we're loving. They think we're gracious. No, not at all. Um, they think, these are the things they think about us, and this is not to say um, that everything they hit on the head, but this is just to kind of give an idea of what salt and light looks like to the rest of the world. Uh, they, they, they listed, I think, six things, so I'm going to list them six, and then I'll go just into one. Um, they think we're hypocritical. We say one thing and do another. Uh, they think we're anti-homosexual in the sense that um, homosexuality is the only sin that really matters. You could cheat on your wife, you can be, cheat on your taxes, you can do whatever you want, but as long as you're not gay, uh, God loves you. And so uh, then they think we're too political. They think Jesus was a certain uh, candidate. They, um, we are too interested in salvations as numbers, as notches on the belt, rather than people, rather than growing disciples of Christ, rather than caring for um, who they are, where they're at, and walking them through. And so we're too interested in to, uh, salvations as numbers and just people or numbers oriented rather than making disciples. And then I think um, sheltered, judgmental, a lot of great things, obviously. Um, so we have a, a, this PR problem. But I guess the thing that's the most problematic is that a lot of the times they're right. A lot of the times that is exactly what we present to an outside world. 
And so they did this, uh, this Barna group, their research, there's a Christian research company, and they interviewed non-Christians and Christians alike, and they went through hundreds of different attitudes, behaviors, and lifestyles, um, questions re- referring to those. And they found that there was no significant difference between a Christian, someone who professes Jesus Christ. This isn't just someone who believes in God or some deity out there. Someone who says, oh, yeah, I've said to Jesus Christ, I pray that prayer. And someone who doesn't believe in God. And so these are the kind of things. A Christian is no less likely to have abused someone, no less likely to view um, explicit content online, no less likely to cheat on their wife, um, no less likely to con- um, consult a medium or psychic, no less likely to drink to the point of being legally drunk, uh, no less likely to say something uh, mean behind someone's back or to gossip. Um, all these things that are really crucial to what makes us, indiv- makes us people of God, there were no significant differences. And that should kind of grieve us. That should kind of be like, what? Because this is the thing, when we, try to go- when we try to evangelize, we'd be like, hey, don't you want your life to look like my life? And they're like looking at you and they're looking at your life. And, and yeah, it does. I just don't go to church every week. Oh, sorry. There was some significant differences. Um, Christians were more likely to own more Bibles. I bet if I said, raise your hand if you have one Bible, everyone had their hand up. If I said two, and then if I got to 11, there'd be some guy in the back just like, I have like every translation, NKJ, NLT, like we could just go on. So Christians are more likely to own more Bibles, more likely to attend a church, and more likely to uh, give money to that specific church. But besides that, there was no significant difference. So how do we um, evangelize to people and say, we're different? And they're like, no, you're not. You look exactly like me. They, they interviewed and they said, who knows a Christian? And 85% of people said, yeah, I know a Christian. And they asked, what's the lifestyle difference? Only 15% of those 85% said there was a significant lifestyle difference. <sighs> Man. And I think that's because we've uh, this tragic thing of accepting merely Jesus as a Savior and not Lord, where he can forgive our sins and we can say a prayer, feel good at the end of the night, but then he has no power to influence and change and transform and sanctify. And so we kind of live like everyone else. Guys, I don't mean to put it too fine a point that conduct matters. I'm not taking away that Jesus Christ, is um, his grace is sufficient for us. Um, but conduct does matter. And a good way to understand um, how important conduct is in our life is to see what the price to, was paid for misconduct in the sense that Jesus Christ died on the cross because of choices we made, because of misconduct, because of sin, because of rebellion against God. That was the price. And so God calls us very much to be um, a holy, a set-apart people. He calls us to be in the word. He calls us to be accountable to the church. He calls us to be um, with other people because Man, do I have a tendency to isolate, and man, do I have a tendency to section myself off, and then all of a sudden I'm alone, a sheep by myself, and I just get into trouble. I've spent a little bit too much of my life merely accepting um, greasy grace, merely accepting Jesus. Thank you for dying for my sins, but don't change me. Um, so the, as a church, are we, are we making a difference? Are we significantly um, different than 
than the people that we want to reach. And and if you're not, if you feel like, man, my lifestyle is uh, just like everyone else's, minus another busy activity to add to the week, then maybe this is a time where we just say, God, uh, make this uh, alive in my life. Make this um, transform me. And because uh, really, what does it talk about in the Bible? You can read the New Testament, and you don't have to read it very long before you realize how important um, character matters, how important being transformed mattered, how important um, submitting to God. It talks about Jesus saying, there'll be people that say, hey, Lord, Lord. There'll be people who cast out demons, who, who did miracles in their names, who are like, I never knew you. I don't know about you, but when you go through that list of, you know, casting out demons, prophesying, doing miracles, those are a lot of things you see in the church. And so here's a lot of people that are in the church, and at the end of times, we're like, hey, you know, I, I talk to you every Sunday. I, I was, we were, I was sat in the front row. I brought my family. My Bible was newly dusted. And, and you remember me? He's like, I never knew you. I never had a place in your life. <sighs> the, uh, just in, I'm going to close a little bit early. Um, just in closing, Joshua, if you want to turn to Joshua 24, 13. There comes a point where each one, each one of us has to choose um, if God is going to be merely a Savior or if he's going to be Lord. If he's going to be, uh, and you really can't, truth be told, you can't really take one or the other. You kind of have to take the whole package. So if you turn to me, Joshua 24, 13. This is Joshua talking to the people, and this is before he dies. This is funny that I'm picking a lot of scriptures before people die, which is not necessarily good. Um, this is before Joshua is He's kind of given this last call, and he says, Joshua 24, 13 says, So I gave you a land on which you did not toil, and cities you did not build, and you live in them, and you eat from the vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. I don't know about you, but again, that sounds like the gospel. I mean, we have grace that we did not, what is grace? I mean, unmerited favor. We have mercy of God that we in our works were um, unable to reach God. We were in, our, we were in our, our own Egypt. We were in our own oppression, our own slavery. And here God reaches his hand in, and he grabs us out of it. So, um, yes, in Christ, I am in a land in which I did not toil. I'm in, in this place of unmerited favor with God uh, in cities I did not build, and I'm enjoying the fruits that I did not plant. And here God has just given me grace. And God longs to be a good shepherd. Um, I forgot, just a discloser, uh, sorry, just to clarify if when i say authority bad images of god pop up where you think of god as some abusive um maybe former boyfriend or former spouse where um, god authority has only meant something negative in your life where authority has only meant where someone's hurt you that is not the authority of god i'm talking about um in scripture you will read that he is a good uh, shepherd uh, it says that he makes us he makes us lie down in good pastures i mean we're gonna just go right by him he's like no no you trust me you just want to rate here and so we have a good uh, shepherd and so when you hear the authority of God, he may do things that hurt initially, but it's only to free us. It's only to make us more um, alive in Christ. And so, uh, so let's just be okay with God's um, shepherding, even if it, it hurts a little bit. But it is no way abusive. It is no way done um, to our detriment, um, but only that God would be more seen in our life. So in Joshua 24, verse 14, uh, Josh pretty much lays it out. He's like, you know what? Now fear the Lord and serve him with all your faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped before the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And 15 just kind of trips me out because he's basically saying, hey, serve God, serve God. You know, God has been faithful to this point, like serve him. And here we are enjoying things we didn't build, you know, and just, wow, God is amazing. 
And he says, he says this, he says, but hey, if it's not your cup of tea, if it's not what you want to do, that's fine. But as for me in my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. I, I, there needs to come to a point where we say, it doesn't what my Christian neighbor's doing. It doesn't what any neighbor's doing. I am being faithful to what God is calling me to do. And, and too much we say, you know what, so-and-so did it. Uh, it's okay with me. So-and-so watches those kind of movies. So-and-so does this. And we kind of define our Christianity by what other people do rather than what God is calling you specifically to do. Um, so I think each one of us has to come to this place where we say, um, as for me, as for me, I can't speak for you. If you're not interested, I'm not going to try to twist your neck and tell you about the grace of God. I'm not going to try to twist, oh, sorry, twist your neck, twist your arm. That's so, can we delete this out of the podcast, please? <laughs> Just um, twist your arm to tell you about, um, to make you follow God. Um, as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. And just one more thing before I close. I don't want my Christianity to be defined by the things I abstain from or the things I don't do. Where too much of my, too much of Christianity, unfortunately, I feel like is um, referenced only to what we don't do. So I'm a Christian. What does that mean? I I don't smoke. uh, I don't drink. I I don't watch radar movies. uh, And so they're like, okay, Snow, what does Christianity mean? I just told you, it means I don't do these things. And unfortunately, that limits the grace of God in our life because he wants to do things through us. I mean, Jesus Christ, when he was on this earth, he was doing things. It's, it, Jesus Christ was known for doing miracles, for um, delivering people, for preaching, for teaching, for doing all of these things. Not often is Jesus Christ known for what he abstained for. Of course, those things are going to come. Of course, there's, God calls us to abstain from certain things. But I would want my life to be so known by what I do rather than by what I abstain from or keep from doing. I'd rather, I'd rather them make a book called Unchristian, and they're like, man, we really don't agree with some of the viewpoints on, on certain issues, but man, they're the most generous people. Man, they give so much. Or man, I don't understand. Everyone else in the office is talking gossip about everyone, yet they just keep their mouth kind of quiet. Yes, they don't, they don't, I don't understand that. Or man, they have a forgiveness and a grace in their life that I, I just, they have a joy in their life that I know things are going, I know they're struggling paying the bills, but wow, they have a peace of God. I, I'd rather be known by those characteristics than by these. So today, we're, we're going to have a, a time of worship right now. If we could have the worship team. This is nice. I don't have to play. Um, uh, uh, right now, this is really kind of having a, a time of worship. We're going to have two more songs, and then we're going to dismiss. But if this is, uh, if, you, if you don't, if this, is, again, if this is your first time in church, or maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ in your life, uh, this is an opportunity. If you want to accept him as Lord uh, and Savior, that and is really important. Um, then this is the time. If you feel like, you, man, I'm in bondage, I'm in sin, I'm in things that I have tried for the life of me uh, to get out of, I'm sick of just trying to be a good person, uh, I, need, I need God to come in. Then this time, we're going to have people, um, prayer, our prayer team here and, and ready to pray. And, um, but also, th- this message is really for everyone who's been a Christian for a long, long time and have merely accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, but have failed to allow a God to be, to be Lord uh, in their life. So I'm going to pray, and then we're, we're going to do that. So if you, yeah. And God, I just pray that you would help this message to go down deep into our hearts, God. I pray that it would be fruitful. I pray that we um, would seek your face and say, God, what do you have to say for me? Like, what would, you, what would you say to me? What would you have me do? And we would respond to your leading in our life. We would uh, respond to you um, in your word, and we'd get in your word and allow it to, be, to transform our hearts and minds, God but we would be defined by, by your grace and love and just 
doing things, God, and, and your authority in our life. Sorry, that's a jumbled prayer. But anyway, um, God, thank you, God, for your grace, and just bless us as we go uh, in your name. Amen.